0: This is the Canucks Central post-game show. Lea Patterson makes a nice move away from Dickinson,
1: cuts away from Seth Johnson set in front for Kuzmenko, who taps it in. Hughes, left wing into the Chicago zone, back to Besser for the goal. Deep to the backhand, tries to tuck it in from below the goal line. It's loose, and Dakota Joshua scores.
0: With the instant reaction from the players and coaches.
1: Miller for drives one-timer, missed the net. Garland sends it up front, Tries on the rebound, scores between his legs. A beautiful move by Sheldon tries On the official home of
0: the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Canucks
3: begin the Rick Talkett era with a victory over the Chicago Blackhawks here at Rogers Arena. 5-2, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar, about to bring in Randy Janda into the discussion. You can also get into the discussion on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll free, one 275 650 After the Canucks win this game, the first with Rick Tockett behind the Canucks bench as their head coach and Randeep, when we talked about Rick Tocchet coming in and the things he's going to try to establish, and system-wise, it's going to take time. They have one practice. Those aren't the things they were implementing. What they did tonight, however, was play responsible hockey. They worked hard. Got in on the four check. Not too many bad mistakes, which we've grown accustomed to watching from this Canucks team. And believe it or not, they made really good line changes. Randy, they actually made good line changes and they weren't doing selfish things on the ice and it led to a good performance and a victory.
4: It's funny how sometimes a new voice can change that perspective, right? You talk about line changes. We've been talking about it for months, but a new guy comes in and then all of a sudden, to your point, through one game, that doesn't happen. But I I think, you know, the effort level and the physicality, you could talk about systems and there's going to be improvements over time. But one thing from an effort perspective, Are you playing a physical, confident game? And we saw that, where I think Dakota Joshua versus Max Domi, where it started with that fight and the hit that he threw, but Dakota Joshua had a great game where he was not only playing with skilled players and keeping up with them and and scoring goals, but he was also being a bit of a, you know, playing the mind game there with Max Domi, where you're taking Chicago's best player essentially out of the game by engaging him physically, and Domi made a bad mistake that could have injured his own goaltender just because he was rattled. So I look at you know engaging and yeah. playing that Rick Tockett style of game, similar to what he did maybe when he was a player, where you're, there's a lot to be done with this team, but in terms of being physically engaged, being mentally engaged, there's a strong effort against a team, yes, that is going to be in the Conor Bedard you know, discussion. No question Chicago is going to be there. But Vancouver did what they need to do through 60 minutes.
5: This felt like the first game in a while we've seen Dakota Joshua kind of show all those likable traits. Yep. It's been there in spurts, and you see some physicality. The shine of the Oman-Lazar-Joshua line well worn off now because Oman's been away for some time here. But tonight, yeah, very effective in, in every phase of the game, right? He got some PK time uh, with JT Miller. That, they were the ones that are out there that sprung. the the Luke Shen chance and obviously his goal but you saw the physicality in all three zones as well Uh, Dakota Joshua for me yeah one of the best players uh, on the ice tonight and it was one of the early season finds and here he is now with seven goals it's certainly encouraging uh, for him to hopefully get his uh season back on track here, because it started so strong. And what I liked about his game, Sat,
4: was also that, you know, maybe he's playing further down the lineup, where he makes a good play, kind of dies there at certain times, because you're not playing with skilled guys, and, you know, there's an opportunity where the opposition gets the puck out, and it's done. Where here, you know, tonight's game, with Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, they win those battles down low. There's an opportunity where, you know, you're in a position to to continue that, and depending on who he was playing with, there was a bit some line juggling going on throughout the night, where you saw that moment where he was playing with skilled guys, that the puck didn't die there, it continued on, and that play that he makes along the walls, that play that he makes around the net or behind the net, it continues and creates a good scoring opportunity, part of that is also Chicago, they got some puck management issues, but Mm -hmm. the Canucks' responsibility was to take advantage of that, and they did that tonight. They did, And, and
3: you know, one of the things that we were also tracking in a pretty major way, considering how big of a storyline he has been this entire season is JT Miller playing down the middle. And, you know, in terms of those line changes, which we've seen JT be a culprit of as well, like everybody on this team pretty much, outside of uh, maybe Elias Pettersson, who even Rick Tockett singled out for being really responsible with his line changes. But I thought JT Miller had a really strong game tonight. The effort was there. He was skating really hard defensively. He was making good plays, But, but offensively, he looked like the same player we've seen at times the last couple of years where he takes charge of the game and he's a, he's a real facilitator and a playmaker. Like he f- it felt like when he was on the ice, especially early on the first half of the game, he's here to drive the play again. And we haven't seen enough of that from JT this season.
4: No. And I think there was a couple of moments or a couple of, you know, I don't want to be in that situation where we're talking about back checks or individual back checks, but the, that's what we're going to base opinions off when, you start to add to that to your game, and you know, to JT's credit, he said, <laughs> "You know, the bad ones stand out, but there are also some good ones being made." And to his credit, they were being made today. I look at some of that game that he played with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. especially early on, guys. It was it was a strong play, and it was also where it was just a. You look at his game, and you're saying that was a strong game. There was not many peaks and valleys. It was a consistent game, and I think that's something where. You're playing a team like Chicago right now, which is having you know some situations where they're in a, a yeah. spot where they don't have much confidence. Uh, you want that from your players, where you're saying there's not volatility in your game, that you're playing a solid game. And I, I like JT's game because it stood out, but it didn't stand out in any bad ways, where you're saying, oh, there's a consistent effort, right? Uh, let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we have Sheldon Dries, who's playing alongside JT Miller for
3: much of this game, like Randy was just mentioning, scored a goal tonight between the legs. Uh, a highlight reel goal for Sheldon Dries, who now has six on the season for the Canucks. A lot of production since he's stepped into the lineup here earlier this season. And Sheldon, thanks for joining us today. I mean, uh, how good does it feel to, to not only have the coaching thing over with, you guys have Rick Tocchet behind the bench, but starting things off with a victory tonight?
6: Yeah, it's huge. Um, obviously a bit of a change right now in the past week or so, but um, tonight we just want to focus on effort, doing the right things, playing the right way, and it it was uh, a sign that, that we got the victory tonight, so it's a good team win all around. At what point uh, on that rebound chance are you deciding, hey, I got to do it between my legs? <laughs> I think it was just more instinct. I don't think I was thinking about it too much. That's just where the puck went, uh, just alongside my foot there, and I know if I didn't go between the legs, it probably would have went right by me, so Um, That's just a reaction play. Nothing I really thought about too much.
4: Yeah, you had the great goal. You had some action packed uh, a bit of a night too. Your second fight in the NHL, your first one since 2017 against a bigger guy in Connor Murphy. How did that one play out?
6: Well, uh, if I'm going to fight anyone, I don't think I'm going to find anyone uh, smaller than me. So it's always going to be bigger (laughs) than me. But uh, yeah, it's been a while Um, since I fought last. So it was good to get back on the saddle there.
3: Well, as far as your season is concerned, on a personal level, I mean, this is the most productive you have been now, up to six goals on the season, you got a chance to play up you know, in a top nine role tonight on the wing, you've been playing center a lot, what, what do you feel about how your game is progressing, and how much more you can do, especially with more opportunity here in Vancouver right now?
6: Yeah, I'm just trying to play a mature game right now, obviously being a little older now, compared to years past, uh, when I first broke into the league, Um just doing the right things like i said before it's not complicating the game it's talking to your teammates and giving an effort every single night
5: uh it's only one game but uh what noticeable differences can you uh share with us of of how the style of play is going to look
6: a lot of effort i mean i think that's what was our achilles heel Uh, a lot of the times we didn't give enough effort early in the year um and talk has really talked about it the, the past couple days here of effort and out of just everyone, not our top guys, not the bottom guys. It's everyone. It's a full team. So it's a night-in, night-out basis, and we take it one at a time right now.
4: That third period was very chippy. Was that a message that the, uh, the coach was sending over the last couple of days where you're saying, hey, physically engage and, and be in these games physically?
6: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think it's coaches, and it's on the on the players as well, challenging each other. Um, if, if you see your linemate playing hard, you want to do the same. So it's a full team effort, and uh, I'm glad we got the win tonight.
3: Hey, Sheldon, thanks for your time. Uh, Good job on scoring that goal, and best of luck tomorrow in Seattle.
6: Appreciate it. Uh, That is Canucks forward. Sheldon
3: Dry, sixth goal of the season between the legs. Highlight real goal, helping the Canucks win tonight over the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. And, uh, you know, one of the things that – we heard Alvine talk about and Rutherford talk about was giving their bottom six guys more opportunity. They thought there was more offense there. Now, I'm not quite sure, to be honest, where Sheldon Drys ranks within the organization's hierarchy. Obviously, a bit of an older player. He's you know he's, well, he's 28 years old. He was brought back, but mostly to be AHL type of depth. But Dakota Joshua is a player they signed that they gave a two-year deal yep. to. Jax Dedeek is a guy they traded for. Both guys, especially as the game grew on, Dakota Joshua scored a goal and also had a, a bit more featured time. But it was interesting to see some of those bottom six guys coming through, especially after management said they expected and they thought there was more there. Yeah.
5: Sheldon Dries, his flowers, top ten scorer yeah. coming into tonight and yeah. got,
4: bagged a goal. and 35-goal scorer last year in the HL, given the man uh, yeah. a bit yeah. of a, you know, But he's got that skill, and what I've liked about his game, especially when he's on the power play, guys, there's no hesitation in his game. Mm. And that goal that he scored, where he, he wasn't thinking about it, he said, Uh, That's a guy that can score when he's given room uh, to operate. And in terms of Dakota Joshua, if you look at the ice time, 13 minutes for Dry today, which is a little above what he's been playing this year. He's been playing around 11 minutes. So even though it's not much, it's still something. When Takat's saying, I want to take some time away from the star guys playing in elevated positions, maybe lower their minutes, uh, Bo Horvat played a lot tonight, but everybody else was kind of in that same range. And some of those other guys, you know, Got yeah. some got some opportunity, even if it was a couple of minutes up. Uh, the reason we're laughing, and I'm going to leave it to Bick,
5: but Bo Horvat playing 20, what over 23 minutes, 23:56, today? Yeah. so 24 minutes on a night when JT Miller played 19, bit, yeah. and Elias Pedersen played 18:26. So
3: it makes no sense for Bo to play that much, especially after Rick talking himself said we can't be winning hockey games with our players playing 23, 24 minutes a game, which Bick had an answer to. What's that? There was twenty plus GMs in the building tonight. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> it that's was. a good point. <laughs> they're here for the CHL to- oh, to- right. to- yeah. top prospects game tomorrow. But Doug Armstrong's here. Kyle Dubas mm. is here. I mean, door. I mean, go through the list. Almost, almost every single GM's yeah. here, right? So what you're saying? I is... I think the more notable note is the GMs who were here that didn't come to the game. Like there was the one, be like, yeah. okay, why were? I-, I don't even know if there are yeah. any who didn't come to the game. But to Big's point. So if we- you're
5: going to showcase any one person for 24 minutes <laughs> in a game that you won by three against one of the lowest teams yeah. in the NHL, given what Dockett said <laughs> yesterday, it's weird that of all people, Bohorvat played six more minutes. Than uh, his counterparts at center.
3: After the coach explicitly said, yeah. we're not going to be playing, guys, our
4: forwards, 23-24 right. minutes. I'm ago. willing to hear out that logic, <laughs> especially if tomorrow, if they play him a lot less, then you're sure. on to something. Then you're yeah. on to something. So yeah. what, you're, what you're saying is, the GMs came to Vancouver to watch Connor Bedard and Bo Horvat. That's, that's what we're going <laughs> with.
5: No, I'd say they, they came to watch Connor Bedard, but then there was a side, side show, and the Canucks were like, you know what? If you're here, we may as well show you someone." Hashtag so- showcase, boys. Yeah, showcase. showcase and, and the co- and, and now tomorrow. Hey, PD might get twenty-one minutes in Seattle, yeah. and this is just like spreading the minutes out. And you take one one night, the next one, the other night. But uh, it's it's hard not to notice there was twenty plus GMs in the building tonight, and Bohorvat got that many minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Another another player that got a fair like bit he got more than time. OEL, was the highest D man at twenty three twenty seven.
4: And that's the name I was going to hit next because there's been a lot of OEL discussion. And listen, his number is generally in and around there too. But you know that conversation about Talkett and the history that Oliver Ackman Larson him and him may have. It's still leaning on him a fair bit, right? He plays a lot of minutes, but also showcase, okay. no. <laughs> 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 no, uh,
3: just just kidding, uh, uh, Randy. Uh, b- before we let you go, any other takeaways you had for
4: watching Rick Tockett coach behind the bench for the first time as a Canuck? I think at this point in time, there's not much you can take away from one game based on the fact that they haven't. They've practiced once, guys. But yeah. I think this speaks more to the players, more to the players essentially saying, "All right, that that mental fatigue that they're maybe going through over the last couple of weeks, that's gone. And now, who's going to respond? physically, I think they all responded. Guys, Elias Patterson, another game where this guy's dishing out hits, right? You started seeing that a little bit more. You started seeing, you know, more players being physically engaged. So I thought this was more about the Vancouver Canucks players saying, all right, new guys in the building, we got to show what we can do. And some of those guys getting more ice time as a result. So a bit of a clean slate there, a blank slate where they can show what they can do. So talk it in his system. That's going to come over time. Yeah. To me, this was about the players. No, it really was. And uh, we'll see
3: if how they keep that energy tomorrow, right? And something talking himself mentioned, it's a second of a back-to-back. One game, now your habits really start showing on the second of a back-to-back. And we're back at it again tomorrow. You have the call alongside Brendan Bashford, Canucks, and Seattle right here on Sports on 650.
4: And Randy, we'll chat with you then. Cheers, guys. Uh, that's Randy. Jan- we're never showcasing you guys. You guys are, uh, you guys are, you know... 20 GMs are here, but that's fine. You guys showcase <laughs> enough, man. We're more 20 days in a row than 23 minutes a night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's where, it's a bit different on the radio
3: scale of things. Uh, that's Randy Janda. Keep your thoughts coming in to a Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll get to the phone boards coming up in a bit. 604 or toll free, one 888 uh, b- Before we get to the phone boards, a lot of text coming in too, and this one says Lockwood was hurt, guys, so players had to double shift. The time on ice wasn't Accurate as it ideally would be, fair point. But Will Lock was a fourth line winger. He's maybe playing nine minutes. Yeah. So what we're talking about, it took a couple of minutes. And it, if you look at how much Pedersen played, Pedersen had what eighteen minutes and twenty six seconds of ice time. Um, you had Sheldon Dries playing thirteen thirty four. McKay played fourteen twenty seven. You could have easily thrown McCabe a couple of shifts, too, considering he had under 15 minutes of ice time. Now Pedersen had a bit more. So I don't think Lockwood getting hurt is going to drive Bull Horvat's ice time up by five or six minutes. So I don't think that has anything to do with it. Other guys could have had used some fourth-line wing time here and there to to make it work, so to speak. But I think it's a good point, pick If you're looking at... Now that there's alignment between the head coach and the management team, and you know what's going on in the building, you know where things are trending towards, who do you want to play most tonight? Well, the guys that you're maybe putting in a position to move at the deadline.
5: And and, and look, there's other reasons too. Um, Face-offs being a big one. Leas Pettersson really struggled in the draw tonight, one of seven. And so when someone's exceptionally cold in the draw, who are you going to rely on to try to win some other draws? Yeah. You're going to throw Bo Horvat out there uh, A fair bit, and so he takes 22 draws tonight uh, It goes 10-12, to 12, or 10-12 in 12, um, For 45%, so not a or night, but as far as the volume uh, It was certainly there for Bo Horvat uh, that way uh, And the text here is saying, hey, you, was he Matched up against Kane? Certainly, and Kane played A ton, 5-on-5 uh, five five, uh, 16 minutes himself So there was that element, of course, too Where he's getting that matchup against Patrick Kane. So that's going to inflate the minutes. It, it, it's it's more so just how much more he got a day after Rick Tocco was adamant that we need less minutes from JT Miller and Bo Horvath. Yeah. And, and
3: you know, he, he played 15 minutes at evens. He did get a ton of ice time on the power play as well. The Canucks were on the man advantage quite a bit this game. However, not quite as successful on the man advantage as they have been in the past, but, um, that's kind of where things were at. A lot of thoughts coming in six fifty, six fifty to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Um, now, we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett coming up in a few minutes, Bick. And <sighs> I, well, I didn't say the wrong coach. Yeah, remember when I? Oh, when the last day coaching, one
5: successes. Let's go. Oh yeah, last
3: time coaching change happened. I. I had the it took wrong. A of weeks. It took a couple of weeks. Took a couple of weeks. Yeah, That's you know, we're, we're working out now, now, now. The good thing is we knew Rick Tockett was going to be the coach well beforehand, so it's given us some time to practice ahead of time, uh, knowing that he is going to be the head coach in Vancouver. Uh, but a lot of people are asking, what do we thought about Rick Tockett behind the bench? And honestly, it's one game, and the biggest I th- influence I, th- I think you saw Bick was the fact that the players just worked hard because there's a new guy behind the bench. Like, really, that was it. And they they were disciplined, and they worked really hard. And is
5: that something that is specific to Rick Talkett? I don't know if that's something you... Can immediately equate and say, "Hey, because Rick Tockett was there, this happened and this happened." And you know, there's a tweet here from Ernest at Ernest Lou says, "I know it's just one game against a weaker opponent, but did you see the team playing with more structure? Honestly, it was really tough to even see because Chicago, for the most part, uh, it, you know, they had their troubles generating scoring chances." Yeah, uh, I, I thought if I'm if, if I if I was a Blackhawks fan watching this game and you've been watching this team this year. I think you can see the seeds of what they're trying to do, but they they struggle a lot in holding onto the puck, and they do try to play for more shot quality than yeah. quantity, rather than just aimlessly throw it to the net. So there were moments tonight where they maybe held onto the puck too long, and some guys are just underqualified to try to make some plays, so they lost possession. Um, but you could see that they wanted to hold onto the puck to try to generate something. The few chances, again, like relative to how many shots they created, they actually did a fair bit of damage in trying to create something, Um, whether it be near net front tips and deflections and obviously getting to premium spots. They had a couple of three-on-ones as well throughout the course of the game that were a byproduct of some bad pinches uh, from Tyler Myers earlier in the game. But, again, there wasn't a whole lot to extract, and that's why I kind of threw a question there by Sheldon Drys of – know, what sort of things are going to stand out under this new head coach. And we asked that same question to Jack Studnika after 20 minutes, and he was adamant, like, effort right now is the big thing. And and players are going to show up and try to do play with a bit of shine as well uh, for a new coach. Well,
3: you know, the frustrating part, and you mentioned this when we were talking about it right before the game, I mean, right before the game was ending, towards the end, that a lot of this stuff that you saw tonight is stuff that they could have easily been doing the whole time. Like, there was nothing yeah. groundbreaking we saw tonight from the team except for a good effort and them not being bad with a lot of the line changes, being disciplined with how they play. Now, you can attribute that to having weight off your shoulders and everything, sure, but there was nothing nothing different about tonight that made you go like, oh, that's why you made the coaching change. It was literally just the players doing the things that we've been critical of them not doing enough this season.
5: Yeah, and, you know, they got it right tonight. How much of that is just uh, trying to... Looked nice for the new guy, uh, hustling hard for, for line changes. It was, you know, something you're kind of keeping an eye on, but it you notice it when it's not there, and guys are sloppy on the line changes. For me, for the most part, uh, they were on point for one day. I thought so,
3: too. I thought they were pretty good at it for the most part. I, I didn't see too much from them tonight that I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't like how they played. And I think there was a few individuals that had really strong games overall here, pick and... I think the one guy we got to talk about that hasn't been mentioned yet on the show is Andre Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. Two goals tonight, and Patterson created uh, uh, the second goal for him, absolutely crossing up Seth Jones and, and feeding Kuzmenko goal front. But what has Kuzmenko done? What he's been doing all season that's be around the net, pick up rebounds, or be there for the Pats, always having his stick in a scoring position. When he scores goals, it's not a lot of him just creating those goals, you know, consistently and making them out of nothing. We talk about how he's able to create space for himself, and he's really good at getting his teammates involved and and helping facilitate the play in positive ways. But what he's so good at is having that proverbial nose for the net.
5: 100%. He really does. And honestly, both goals tonight in in tight areas, and we've seen him score goals earlier on the year where he wasn't really impacting the play at all, and it would just end up on a stick, and he would turn it in. And you can say, okay, there's elements of luck, but really, what kind of goal scorer is this? Both goals tonight sat in tight around the goal, obviously. Yeah. But he's creating those ones. Obviously, the ones a rebound, but you look at it, it's like that's sharp hands, slick hands to so pull that close to your body and away from Peter Brazic, yeah. change the angle. And Brazic at that stage is just flailing to try to do anything to, to protect the post, and he just kind of flips it over him. That's a nice play even though it's a rebound goal and how tough is it to yeah. re-engineer that. The other one, you watch that, he times it perfectly, playing off of Elias Pettersson. Pettersson's trying to spin and find space and find a passing lane. And Kuzmenko kind of through the corner of his eyes looking at it, and he goes at Jake McCabe and cuts away from Jake McCabe. And you watch the reaction from McCabe. He immediately, two hands above his head, goes to pretend to slap his stick on the ice and be mad because he knows, like, I got played by Andre yeah. Kuzmenko, who was in my uh, bubble and then broke away and managed to tip that. That's a heady play of someone who's reading and timing when Elias is going to find space to hit that pass into the, into the center slot area. And then provide a target and kind of sh- chip it towards the far post. That's a... Th- that's intelligence, not just random luck. Well, and it's also, it's really a
3: smart play. I mean, I, I liken it to one of the things you you see from really good receivers. Like, for instance, uh, something Devontae Adams does really well. He doesn't show his hands right into right. the ball. almost hands. Late hands, yeah. right? So, with the defender on you, he doesn't really know what you're doing. Thinks, you're not going anywhere because you're sticking tight to him so much, and then last second you move out, and then the puck's right there for you. And that's how you get the extra little bit of space, but also, to your point, it shows the intelligence of the player, and I think that's very
5: key here when you watch andre kuzmenko uh our texters very sharp raymond texting in how many gms gonna want kuzmenko (laughs) after today well kuzmenko uh 15 minutes tonight
3: yeah, if, yeah. I mean Two goals, five shots, yeah. seven attempts, eight attempts, sorry Yeah, I mean, hey, for all the talk about Are the Canucks trying to deflate his scoring But not using him on the first unit Hey, that was a Bruce thing when he wasn't using him And first game tonight with Rick Tockett Who's aligned with management He's on the first unit power play So I don't think they're they're trying to get in the way of any production here For Andre Kuzmenko Austin and Langley Does Kuzmenko make an extra million for each money uh, GIF Milstein tweets out? <laughs> Well, I mean, That's his at agent, right Dan Milstein. Yeah. So what did he tweet out, Vic,
5: uh, for our listeners to know? A, a picture of just like money bags around Andre Kuzmenko. <laughs> I, I think someone photoshopped it and he pulled it off of Twitter. Uh, uh, that's uh, So yeah, but you look at it right now, Sat. Uh, so another two goals tonight for Kuzmenko, uh, which gives him 21 on the year, 43 points, and 46 games for Andre Kuzmenko. Like This is blowing expectations out of the water. Like we we would have said 40 points on the season is fantastic. Yeah, it's terrific. And, and again, I've still been like steadfast in what this might cost, but every week we kind of just I feel like we're changing our tune on what it might cost. Yeah, it's going up. There's no doubt. And
3: our entire and we talked about this, our entire projection of him was based on if he gets something like, you know, 20-some goals, maybe 50 points, maybe high-end 60 points. Like, if you're in that range, 20, 20 mid-20 20 goals, 60 points, as I almost fall off the table here. Uh, <laughs> I was trying not to react. But, I, I, yeah, good job. But, uh, I fall off my I almost slipped off my yeah. chair. Uh, but, what were we talking about now? I lost my track. Because Michael, Because You know, so, I mean, we we're talking about perhaps if he has 25 goals, 50, 60 points, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, $5 million per year over four years, potentially. So $20 million total money or something along those lines. Well, the way he's playing now, we're talking about that going up. How much does it go up? We've heard the numbers been thrown out by Dollywall that it's six to seven million per year they're looking for on a a bridge deal. I still wonder if a four-year deal at five and a half million per year or slightly above that gets it done. I could see that being something that happens, but obviously every goal he scores, every bit of production that ticks up, it it makes you think. It makes you wonder.
5: Yeah, I still feel like the high water mark is someone like again. It's so hard to find guys that at this age, unprecedented, really break out. Forget even have like a low track record and then have a good season at age twenty seven, or just arrive into the league late. You do the homework on it, and it's it's like five guys. It's it's Alex Iafalo, Carter Verhage, yeah, Mason Marchment, Ilya McKayev, Trevor Moore, Yanni Gord. And we talked about like, their money. How much are they making? Yeah. Four to five million per year. It, it ranges. It, the AAV is low end four, top end five point one. And, and Yanni Gord's the center, cup yeah. winner. And I just wonder if, like, a, a six-year deal at five million dollars—that's thirty million dollars. A lot of money. That's still a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I feel like that might be the high end, just because it's it's so unprecedented. If if he breaks the mold, then okay, he's he's setting a new precedent. Teams generally try to shy away from setting new precedents. Yeah,
3: though. I could see like a five-year, five times five, mm-hmm. five and a half, or something, which still significant. It's a lot of money, but. We'll see where it goes. The Canucks do want to keep him. Uh, this question came into our Dunbar Lumber text in box from Vikingstad. Do you think the chemistry between Kuzmenko and Pedersen is driving the desire to sign him? I think obviously plays a big part into it, but the team seemed pretty set on Kuzmenko and sold on him before they even yeah. brought him in. Like, I think there were already some discussions and thought that hey, if you have confirmed by if you play well, this is what it looks like and everything. So the team had already kind of I think bought into the player and had pretty much accepted if he plays well, it's a confirmation of who they thought he would be and and as a guy they want to keep. But has it increased their desire? Absolutely, I think so because who's the one duo in your forward group you can look to and say. That's going to be good. That's something you can rely on every game. It's Kuzmenko and Patterson.
5: And Rick talking yesterday, talking about duos as well, finding pairs that, that go well together, his own personal philosophy. And, and right now, yeah, go through the line tonight, uh, who look like they can be consistent duos going into next season even. And I know Kuzmenko doesn't have a contract for next season, and there's talks of trade and all that sort of stuff, but is Miller-Garland a duo you're looking at for next year? Probably not. Horvat doesn't really have a duo uh, because we don't know what if he's going to be on the team before March 3rd, let alone even before then. And then it's Patterson, and Kuzmenko's the guy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they can't bring everybody back, nor should they bring everybody back.
3: You know, and I, I can accept bringing Kuzmenko back, but you got to make the bow trade. You know, and, and the entire discussion has always been you're not trading everyone because that's not what they're going to do. So who are you going to hold on to? And it's, if you want to hold on to JT, sure. You want to hold on to Kuzmenko, sure. Go ahead. But make sure you move the other guys out. Like you still have to make a lot more moves and we'll see um you know how that all kind of unfolds. Somebody also asked, what is Kuzmenko worth on a new contract versus what he's worth in a trade? Because of his contract, it being an entry-level contract, now some bonuses he's going to attain, but nonetheless, we're talking about in a capped-out world where contenders don't have a lot of money on the books. Him essentially being able to be had on a cap hit worth roughly three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars by the deadline, that. less than like that. right now it's four hundred K. And I'm saying with some bonus stuff coming if you want to put sure, that in. Like, yeah we're not talking about and that can be tagged on afterwards. So but on the cap you're talking about three three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. That's all it's gonna take for you to bring him on the cap. For a guy who's a top six scorer I think that has a lot of value this year, but because he doesn't have any track record of playoff success, and and teams, you know what type of players they look for in the postseason. I don't think, I think there will be hesitation on the high end value for him. So, what is the value? Second and a prospect, or a late first?
5: I just, and, I, and I lean towards a late first being kind of the high end of the value. I just feel like teams would rather overpay for the confirmation of someone like Vladimir Tarasenko.
3: Well, that's why you saw Nick Foligno go for a first, Right, and
5: and I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying there's a track record of Tarasenko scoring in the playoffs and having success. And even though it costs more financially, and probably the cost of acquisition is more, I just feel like teams knowing the track record would probably race to acquire someone like that over someone like Andre Kuzmenko.
3: Yeah, the only thing is just... That goes in his favor, Kuzmenko's favor, is that almost every single team in the league can acquire Kuzmenko. Yes. Whereas Tarasenko, a lot of contenders literally don't have the cap space to bring him up, even at half retention. So that's what limits the market, and that's where Kuzmenko's market can be a bit higher. But yeah, I don't think you're getting this huge haul. Like, we're talking about a late first round pick. That's still good. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I think that's good value, but, you know, play that or a second round pick in a prospect versus. Him signing for a con- let's say for argument's sake he signs five million for four years, what's more likely that you hit on that late first round pick or he outperforms his contract significantly? To answer the question, those are the two mm-hmm. outcomes that are possible here when you're looking at what he could sign for versus what he could get in a trade.
5: Yeah, and and some other guys that would be on the market. Like I'm curious if like a Tyler Bertuzzi plays more of a playoff style. Game and who's who's had productive seasons right now, obviously a bit struggling, but you know that's a guy who would be on the wing. If you're giving up first, do you go shop and say to San Jose and say, okay, what does Timo Meyer actually cost us? Right, how much right. more on top of a first if we're giving up a first already? That comes with the responsibility of a, a contract and a very high offer, not. Uh, very high qualifying offer but is that something that they try to explore right so there are other options more on the wing relative to you know Horvats. yeah supply demand is much lower it's like Dylan Larkin and that's about it right now Mm -hmm. Ryan O'Reilly might be out there um so there's more names on the winger market uh that compete with Andre Kuzmenko than someone like Bo.
3: yeah and even on the flip side of it in terms of his contractual demands I don't know if he's getting like again, like what team out there is looking at him, even though he's been really good on this team here is that says okay let's let's give him six times six or even five times mm-hmm. five, you know and and I get it, maybe you want to take a bridge deal and bet on yourself in, in a couple of years, but how wise is that even when he's going to be twenty nine thirty when that contract ends now yeah. we've seen guys get paid, but wingers don't get paid a ton right now in, in relative to what centers are getting paid at that age
5: range. An interesting moment for the Kuzmenko camp.
3: Yeah, well, outside of uh, Jonathan Huberto who got a huge contract, yeah. but nonetheless. But we talk talking about 115-point player last year. It's
5: Because it's, it's, you can play it e- either way. You can say, hey, we want to do a two- to three-year deal, give ourselves a chance to re-up at the last big contract. But to your point, Seth, is it worth taking term now at lesser money just to have one in hand versus two in the bush, right? Yeah. And say, hey, we can take... 25 29 million dollars now rather than take uh, let's say 18 now and we have to worry about making up the next 13 14 million dollars the rest of the way that to surpass the contract you get now right and do you want to risk that different ideals for different people i would tend to say most players would rather want the money secured Immediately, and so a, a five-six year deal, if it's on the table, probably makes the most sense for yeah, Roderick Kosmacho's camp.
3: I mean, it's still risky going five to six years based on one year from a team's perspective, but mm-hmm. from, from the player, it could be hard to pass up because you know somebody makes a point. They're like, "Hey, he's going to bet on himself if he has a point per game season and, and really hit it big," and and that's fair. But when you're when you're talking about a guy who's already twenty seven. It's a bit different because mm-hmm. if, if he signs a three-year breach deal, you're 30 when he hit free agency versus having you know that money in hand. So ultimately, we'll see what happens. And in the NHL, what we've seen so far is the total money has been king. Uh, we'll see if that changes as far as some of these contract negotiations go. A lot of good text messages come as well. We have uh, a lot of more questions as, as far as trades go. So we'll hit your questions. We'll get to your phone calls as well. 604-280-0650. And we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tocchet. That's coming up next as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion, text us at 650-650, or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
7: Hughes near corner, plays it ahead to
1: Miller. Will carry left wing to the Chicago line. Miller, into the slot for one-timer, missed the net. Garland sends it out front, Dries on the rebound, scores between his legs! A beautiful move by Sheldon Dries to tuck it home in front.
4: And the Canucks are up 4-2. to That's a goal of a sniper right there by Sheldon Dries.
6: <laughs> I think it was just more instinct. I don't think I was thinking about it too much. That's just where the puck went, uh, just alongside my foot there. And I know if I didn't go between the legs, it probably would have went right by me. So um, that's just a reaction play. Nothing I really thought about too much.
3: Sheldon Drys' sixth goal of the season, helping the Canucks win 5-2 on home ice, and Rick Tockett's debut behind the bench for the Canucks, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with and Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to the phone boards uh, coming up in a, in a bit as well, and we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett uh, coming up in just a few minutes, as soon as that audio does become available to us. Now, before we do that, let's hit the text inbox. And Andre Kuzmenko, of course, has been a huge topic of discussion because he, he had two goals, and we spoke about him quite a bit. But the people, keep the thoughts coming on Kuzmenko Uh
5: Yeah, remember, lots of money to Satin Bick, a sports talk show host. <laughs> it was a bit different than Kuzmenko and Dan Milstein. That's Chris and Duncan <laughs> texting in uh, this one. Why would you sign Kuz? Uh, what do you actually expect this team to be doing in the next two years? And the only prospects this team has is wingers. That's an insane uh, unsigned text uh, coming in. And also, hey, given the cap crunch as most teams face, his age and the Canucks being cap crunch, what's a realistic return for Kuzmenko? Uh, Canucks could can chase picks and prospects searching for that young NHLer. maybe a right-handed D. Yeah,
3: and Austin, Austin and Langley says, I got to think who's worth more than a late first. His cap hit in production as a rental you think will be extremely valuable. Same with Chen. If you pair that with taking some expiring money back, you think they can do better. That's Austin and Langley. I mean, if you're able to take some money back, mm-hmm. sure, it does. It, now, that depends on your
5: LTIR situation. I mean, and the aren't really even, even in a spot to take money back. No, least, they're well. in a bit of
3: a tough spot. Now, depending, if they move Horvat, yes. depending on what they get back in return, could they b- put themselves in a position where they could explore that potentially? Yes. See, now the
5: value in those players, in Kuzmenko and Shan, it's low cost. Exactly. But you're giving them up. You don't you aren't providing yourself a lot of financial flexibility to take money back
3: no and that's that's the issue more than anything now could you even take a small contract back and help a f- team facilitate another trade I- in that way sure there are ways you can improve and and, and i hate to sound like i'm downplaying kuzmenko's mm-hmm. value i still think a late first round pick's high but generally speaking now for these types of wingers that you see on the market it, it's i mean even at jt miller that we talked about last year we talk about you know certain other guys on the trade market you see the offers are, are pretty general. They first-round pick, a bit of a prospect, and that's pretty much it. The higher-end guys get you know, that extra piece, well, but I mean, usually that's kind of where it's at.
5: Look what Alex Abrinke went for. Yeah. And we all kind of universally said, boy, they kind of undersold that one, Chicago. Yeah. It was a top-ten pick, you know, a
3: top-seven pick.
5: Yeah, and yet it felt like, oh, there need to be more, but that's a guy who's routinely scored 40 in the NHL. Uh, and, and you got control over. Yeah. And now Ottawa's maybe thinking, oh, "I wish we had a do-over on that one." Uh, didn't really take the step that they were expecting to do, but nevertheless, uh, like that one was one we were saying it was an undervalued deal, and a lot of teams could have jumped at that. But it's a reflection of uh, the winger prices nowadays. People are, want the premiums for D-men and centers. Yeah.
3: Now we've heard the suggestion about Luke Shen, Treat him at the deadline, then try to bring him back in the off-season. Well, Zach and Lethbridge. He, he says, trade Kuz at the deadline for that late first or a second in a prospect. Then bring him back in free agency. He clearly loves this city, loves this team. Bring him back to the Blue Water Cafe. That's um, well, Zach and Lethbridge.
5: You can do that. I, honestly, I don't think there's a bad option here, right? If you, if you wind up trading yeah. for a, a lion's share, okay. Do circle back in the offseason. season. Yeah, but thing is is you're losing your leverage, right? You're losing your negotiating window, and you yeah. have to wait till July 1st. And honestly, at that stage, if he lights it up in another city, is another team going to be looking at him and saying, hey, we, we have to retain this guy. He fits well. He's fine. He can score goals. You're giving up some negotiating power, obviously. Uh, but come July 1st, maybe you're in the driver's seat. But if you retain him prior to March 3rd, I don't think that's a bad idea either. I, I think with this one – I think you come out to two good outcomes.
3: Yeah, um, and we'll see where it goes. I still believe the team is going to ultimately sign him to a contract. Like that, that would be. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they don't sign Kuzmenko. Whereas with Horvat, it's a bit different. Um, as far as Horvat is concerned, uh, this one says uh, uh, um, Terry and North Van. Trade trade Horvat ASAP.
5: What if he gets badly hurt before the trade deadline? There was that moment earlier today, the first power play, where he he got tripped up and immediately there was some gasps of, (gasps) and he got up, he was fine, and wound up playing uh, a lot of minutes tonight. You're definitely getting to the, you know. Yeah. Like, uh oh, like is this, is, this is
3: this is dangerous mode as far as every game he plays. Now you've gotten this far, yeah. and you're terrified of that injury. I totally understand the apprehension. So,
5: so you're two more games before the All Star break. Yeah, he, then he's going to go to Florida. Yeah, for for the All Star break. I don't think the realistic date to be able to shut him down is until February 13th.
3: Yeah, I mean, so. There is no trade freeze
5: over the bye week. Yeah. So, I mean. But, if you're an acquiring team, how many days off of the ice would you want your star acquisition to be off of the ice? Probably no more than eight, ten days. Something like that. So, like, as soon as he comes
3: back. I mean, it'd be telling, the first game back after the bye week, does he come on the road Just stay at home?
5: No, it's a fair question. And to be yeah. honest, I was making the point yesterday on the People Show that if you didn't come tonight and you don't come on Friday, there is a chance that that's your last chance to see Bo Horvat oh, yeah. in like, a Canucks it, uniform.
3: If you're a Bo Horvat fan who wants to watch him one more time, I mean, Friday this, might be your last chance. Yeah, it's we're at that stage now, yeah, I and mean, we've been we've been downplaying. Hey, nothing's close, nothing's yeah. close, and not to say it's
5: close, but we're literally at the stage now where because the next home game after Friday is February thirteenth. Right? There's a uh, four game Eastern road trip. So yeah. it's a little bit removed till uh, the, the, the next home game. And Jim Rutherford usually operates a month out from the deadline. And so Friday could be your last chance to see 53 with the C on his uh, jersey. Well, you played almost
3: 24 minutes tonight, and he scored a goal into the empty net to make it a 5 2 final for the Canucks over the Chicago Blackhawks, helping Rick Taka get his first win as Canucks head coach. And here he is post game talking about how his first game behind the bench went and how the team played.
8: But the guys played really hard. You know, we had a lot of power plays early, and then we uh, had some possession time. Then we got a little antsy. Uh, Chicago, I thought Chicago had. His really good rush team to get off the rush. They had a couple of chances. But I thought we, we limited, uh, especially the second half. Um, guys hung in there. We had, uh, went to three lines for a little bit, and I thought they had some short shifts. We, we, we got a little antsy, though. Some guys taking long shifts, and we got it back on the rail. So I'm proud of them for doing that.
5: Rick, when you see you shot totals like that in your first game, what are you seeing from the team that you like in that situation, offensively or defensively? Huh.
8: Well, I, I, you know, I like the fact that uh, we had some possession time and some really good plays, but I, I thought we, we got to get a little more net presence. I thought we – sometimes when you have a lot of puck possess, possession, you like to, you know, like to play like the, the Russian Five used to play, right? So you got to be careful you don't have guys uh, playing too much in the perimeter. I thought – then we started getting better. we got those goals in front of the net. So that's what you got to really concentrate on getting some net front you presence. A,
7: I'm sorry, you had a prac- one practice or a couple of practices. Just one. Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> what did this game? I mean, what did this game show you? What, what do you take away from
8: this game? <laughs> well, out? it's play, it's not I me mean, as a player, like kind of bought in. You know, it's been some tough circumstance the last few days, and uh, there was a lot of emotions and you know head spinning. I thought those guys did a nice job for the last year, and I threw a lot of syst- not so much system stuff, but some stuff at them today with longer means. I like to. and. For them to take it in and, and uh, play good, I thought it was a – I commend the players.
10: Tracking back and getting to their spots was one thing you talked about this morning. You can't learn the structure, but if they can learn those things, those are non-negotiables. How were they in that
8: way? Yeah, I, I thought they did a good nice job. We got a little antsy, like I said, a couple times. We just got to make sure – listen, you can't never play a perfect game, but if we just learn to get back to our spots, if you see five in the pitcher – you know, it becomes habit, so we got to make sure that we continue on, and I thought the other coaches did a great job. We had, I know we had a lot of guys on the bench, but there was a lot of teaching. It was like, a, I know, it's like a football team out there, um, <laughs> but it was, uh, they did a nice job tonight, really helped me out tonight, those guys. He mentioned
10: some big hits, and was, was that? Who's that? Persson.
8: Yeah. Just, what, what did you think of his game when you first chance to be on the I mean, he's, you know, he's an elite guy, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he kind of – he didn't like his first period. You could tell he was a little – and I just – you know, I like leadership in that. Like he goes, okay, I'm going to start playing the game. Um, you know, a couple of times there he had the puck and uh, and even JT did it tonight where they dumped it in. You know, when, you know, 30, 40 seconds they were tired instead of trying to make that play. That's leadership and we need to continue that because people like to see that stuff.
11: Rick, your second goal, uh, Kuzmenko's second goal was on a play like that where it scored off a partial change and JT's got it in the offensive zone,
8: just puts it behind him. That was – is that what you're thinking about? That was that – w- the coaches – I can't say the word, but we were pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, that's the stuff I'm talking about. You know, you change when you're uh, when you're a little tired, or even though you think – and you get a fresh guy out there, that's huge. You know, I forget who – do you know who changed? Whoever changed – Nine. Huh? Nine. There you go. I mean, that's right. It was JT. So – yeah, guys get assists and goal, but he should get an assist on that. So I'm, I'm like, that's the stuff we got to do more of. You mentioned, yeah, it's a good point. Sorry.
3: You mentioned the Russian
5: five and perimeter plays. It's <laughs> your Russian winger who's going to the net and scoring those goals right at the <clears throat> net front. What do you see from Kuzmenko? Today?
8: Yeah, he's a horse. You know, uh, he's a he's a really good hockey player. Um, you know, there's there's work to be done. He can even be a better player. Um, he's, he, you know, he's buying in on you know, he's trying to play better defensively, but. He hangs around that net, and he's, he's, you know, we we got to get guys to puck possession. Like he's good at holding pucks, and I thought that's uh, something that he's can really supply being that horse down in the in the the, around the net and even in the slot.
7: You got the first game down now. You got thirty points to goal. What's the goal from your perspective?
8: Yeah, I mean, sure, you like the result, but to me, is the hard part is to do it again. You know, you got to change again hard. You got to track hard. It's hard to win. You have to embrace the. The hardness, right? And uh, I shouldn't say it's easy to do one game, but it's hard to keep doing this stuff. And, uh, and it's like a habit. You know, you got to keep it, keep doing it. And uh, we're going to stay on them.
10: Do you want
9: guys like Drys and uh, Joshua to feel like there's opportunity?
8: Yeah. But I thought they saw the opportunity, they took it. Like, uh, I'll be honest with you, Josh, he, he, you know, I kind of didn't play him much for the first Period, and I'm like, now I'm getting him up. I just felt something, and he got I put him up on the left. We're in there with Bo, and uh, I thought he played a really good hockey game. He scored a goal. You know, he, you know, he's smart there on the, with Domi. You know, tries um, even our penalty kill. Penalty kill was good tonight. We had some other guys participate in the penalty kill, um, and I thought the minutes were good by everybody.
10: You suggested this morning that you might not use some of your top guys in that role, but Hughes, P.D., they were all. Out there. Yeah. Is that something you want to transition them out of, or how you see a No, out? no,
8: I, I mean, I, I, what I was saying I was get other guys in, they're still going to be in the mix, but I, I, I want to get the other guys in there. You know, uh, if you look at P's and, and most of their minutes were 18, 19, 20 minutes. Like, that's a good range. 20, 24, 25 is not a good range in my book. And uh, that's why you get, like, a Josh Penley kill and get Lazaro to a little bit more. I think Dries, uh, he went out there. So, Stednick, I got him a couple of shifts on the PK to see if they can do it, and that's what we really need. You know, you've got to use your bottom – you've got to use your depth for it somehow.
11: Rick, you had a pretty hard match with bow versus Kane. Yeah. And then I'd say probably a softer one with Miller-Taves. Yeah. And then you got Pedersen a lot of ice time. Five on five against their bottom six. I know you talked about that a little Keep bit. Keep that in your, quiet. Don't don't give my secret. <laughs> I know I know I know you talked about that a lot in your introductory <clears> presser, but <throat> I didn't check it through the whole game. Yeah. By the yeah. end of the second, you're looking at like nine for Bo, overall nine for seven for Miller, and then four for Pedersen. But he has the two goals. Is that an exchange you're willing to make? Ice
2: time well, I, I, honestly,
8: I didn't know that. I I, I was just more of a feel thing. Yeah, I mean, Listen, if I want Pedersen out against you know the five six i mean yeah i mean it'd be crazy not to right but uh you know and i still got to get him out there but he's still he's going to be fresh for what he played 18 19 minutes a perfect you know perfect you know it's a five two hockey game we we'll, we got him for tomorrow so that's the way i look at it
11: does it mean anything to you to control play like that for 40 minutes and, and you don't have the lead at any point until you get two quick ones so like the effort you obviously got pays off is that important in your first game
8: well if you look at the like the elite teams, Colorado tampa, and they 're down two to one and they feel like they 've controlled the play they, they don 't get antsy right they still stay within it they don 't start to you know pinch and then not track, and then every starts throwing loose pucks everywhere They do it consistently that 's where we have to get to that pedigree right is okay we 're down two to one uh, and we 're playing pretty well. You got to stay within the structure, and that's just that's just something you got to continue every game, every day. Preaching.
7: There's got to be a bit of an emotional release for the players to get through this, you know, yeah. to get into this game, get the result, play well. But you've got a pretty tough opponent tomorrow. And yeah. I mean, how do you manage that sort of highs
8: and keep it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. be an even keel. You know, it's a good win. You know, enjoy it for one minute, and then you, uh, you know, you get yourself prepared. You know, you that's what pros do you know hydrate you get your food in you get a good sleep and you know we're playing it obviously a, a really fast hockey team tomorrow it's a good test on a back-to-back um that's when that's where structure really has to happen tomorrow like you got to really have good structure tomorrow when you play teams like that and uh so we'll see what happens tomorrow
11: rick uh, i don't know if you knew because the audio sort of is weird when you're on the bench but when you were introduced it seemed like a bit of a mixed reaction in the building mm-hmm. I uh, don't know if you heard it but what was your
10: reaction or what did well, you, uh,
8: you you don't now? know you don't know what my middle name is it's, <laughs> it's Lou. You did not know that? <laughs> is it really? Yeah, a couple of people yeah, they, I think they know my middle name is Lou. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. No, listen, listen, you you're, like they were cheer, like they were cheering the players, they were loud. Like, you know, when we were scoring goals 5-2 at the end they were cheering. That's a, that's a listen. I'm not trying to suck up them or anything like that they're a great fan base i mean they're passionate and uh they cheered they were loud as hell i mean you can ask uh footy and sergey because we're new on the block they go, man this is a loud building so that was fun
3: that's canucks head coach rick Tockett after winning his first game behind the bench for the canucks 5-2 over the chicago blackhawks and he must have got the memo jokes for 60 on yeah, the game show he he knows <laughs> he knows you know, he's making our listeners proud as well. I know right now a bunch of our listeners are nodding along, liking the jokes for 60. Uh, and, you know, somebody texted in and said he doesn't sound very intelligent. I, I don't know. When I listen to uh, Rick talk it, what he says makes sense to me. Like the things he talks about, he makes sense. And he points out the things we've been noticing. It's like a bad political ad right there. <laughs> yeah. When I listen to Rick Talkett, he makes sense. It makes sense. Endorsed by Satya Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your political ad per 60. Uh, the, the one. But, I mean, I think I think what he says and everything he's talked about makes complete sense in the framework of what we've seen here. Short in shifts, good timing on the shifts. And, and he talked about, yeah, it wasn't perfect tonight, but a lot better. And, you know, the guy that... Was singled out for one specifically good one, and he wasn't even sure it was. He didn't even know who it was, but it was JT Miller, who we you know noted at the start of the post game show that he he was playing real responsible, good two way hockey tonight. Like that was the type of impactful performance we've seen from JT in the past
5: that we know he's capable of playing down the middle. And by the way, uh, not only does he change off on that and allow a fresher player to get on, and that's something. Talker was harping on. Yeah, JT also exerts himself in the defensive zone, takes the puck off uh, Patrick Kane to start all of that yeah. sequence. The change of possession happens with JT getting the puck off of Patrick Kane and getting it into the other zone, and and then that that's when he kind of cycles off. And we've seen players not not just JT. You know, Petey's mm-hmm. done it, because done it, Horvat's done it, Besser's done it in previous weeks. Get the puck into the offensive zone, even if it's 25, 35 seconds you've been out there, saying, well, I'm tasked with scoring goals. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can stay out here and extend this shift to a minute 10, and suddenly this offensive zone opportunity turns into a transition chance, and you are gassed on your way back. And that's Mm -hmm. where we've seen bad changes, or even worse, going out there and tracking back, which is all well and good, but now you're exhausted at a minute 15, and you're looking around like, well, someone's got to chase that guy because I'm not doing it. And that's kind of the point. It's like play for another shift. How often we've talked about that. Yeah. Great. You played a hard 28 seconds. Pucks in deep. We have the puck. It's fine.
3: Come off. Well, and you know, like our exasperation, and it was funny. Like as soon as I heard talk, it say it "live for another shift," I just started cracking up because we've literally used that same terminology numerous times on this post game show when we watch how they do things. And it's like this isn't stuff that they're incapable of doing; they're just choosing not to do it. Now, whatever the reason is, excuse or anything you want to get to, you can you can point to it, but. They weren't getting it done. They weren't doing those things. And it's maddening because you're not giving yourself a chance to be successful. They didn't give themselves a chance to be successful. And now, at least when you do, well, you kind of see where things are kind of headed towards. Now, it's only one game against Chicago. And maybe even if they play this way, it's still not good enough to make Mm -hmm. the playoffs. But at least if you play to your best and don't get there, then it's very clear what the shortcoming is. But if you don't even play to where you're supposed to get to, then not only is the shortcoming... On the grand scale there, there are even more shortcomings when it comes to players you were counting on. And that creates another big problem. And I think
5: those are things you have to consider when things really go sideways. Don't cheat yourself. And too often we've seen them uh, overexhaust themselves, play bad angles, yeah. cheat the game, and it's led to bigger issues. Tonight, it was responsible uh, and they are full value for the five to win. Hundred
3: percent. Now we'll get to more of your reaction, text messages, and phone calls on the other side. And uh, Dan from Surrey, like any other Canuck fan, we're we're upset about the Bruce handling, but we should not be. We should be booing management, though, not our head coach. Give him a chance. That's Dan from Surrey. I have a take on that on Rick Tockett getting booed, or at least some fans booing him. A bit of a mixed reaction. When he was introduced here at Rogers Arena, we'll hear from you. We'll hear from Canucks players after a 5-2 win. A Satir shot with Bick Nazar right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Back to more Canucks Central postgame show coverage. This is where Utah Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Kyle Burrows faked a shot. Right circle for Shen. Threw it to the goal, but it tipped off a stick wide of the net. And Pedersen recovers it left circle. Elias Patterson makes a nice move away from Dickinson. Cuts away from Seth Jones. Set it in front for Kuzmenko, who taps it in. Andre Kuzmenko has his second of the night on a beautiful pass from Elias Patterson. And the Canucks have tied the game at two.
8: Yeah, he's a horse. You know, uh, he's a he's a really good hockey player. Um, you know, there's there's work to be done. He can even be a better player. Um, he's, he, you know, he's buying in on. You know, he's trying to play better defensively, but he hangs around that net. And he's, he, he's you know, we, we got to get guys to puck possession. Like he's good at holding pucks, and I thought that's uh, something that he's can really supply in that horse down in the, in the, in the around the net and even in the slot.
3: That's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett on and Andre Kuzmenko, who had two goals tonight, helping the Canucks win five-two over the Chicago Blackhawks. Kuzmenko now up to twenty-one goals on the season. 42 points. Incredible debut campaign in the National Hockey League for the Russian Canuck. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, six hundred And we'll get to the phone boards uh, coming up in a few minutes as well. Now, on the text inbox, uh, this one says, uh, were they bo- from uh, Silver and Black Canuck? Were they booing Tockett or the idea of Tockett and the fact that Bruce was done dirty? And when are they supposed to boo? It's not like Frankie's name is announced every game in Inside Your Home Arena. is the best platform for fans to voice displeasure with the team aside from not handing over your money. The franchise brought this upon themselves and everyone is going to take a few shots just how it is. That's silver and black Canuck. But I don't think he's wrong. I think he's right. Hey, fans are allowed to voice address displeasure. I think that's completely fine. Someone threw a
5: jersey on the ice tonight. Yeah, I mean. By the way, don't do that during play. No, I'm pro fans expressing themselves in any which way. Just during play, you're risking someone getting hurt. And linesmen happen to catch it and pick it up, but just don't do that during play. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Seth.
3: No, uh, 100%. Uh, Now, I'm fine with that, and he's right. The organization brought this upon themselves by how this all unfolded and letting it get to that point. Very convoluted and and complex story, of course. We've all gone through it, but yes – this could have somewhat been avoided. I think inevitably because of how much success Boudreaux had last year and how well the team played under him last year and how well loved he was, that his firing was never going to sit well with a large segment of the fan base, but it wasn't going to be the, Mm. this, the story, the way it was, it wouldn't be an international story, the way it became in so many different ways. Right. And and that's where the issue kind of lies. And a lot of Canucks fans felt embarrassed and upset about how, how it all unfolded. Like, I mean, a 70 year old man almost behind the bench crying a few games in a row like it's a, it's a tough scene you know what I mean like it's a tough scene to see so it point it, it paints the organization in a negative light so I, I get all that the one thing I will say though is if you're booing him like that, have, the, have the, the courage of your convictions to chant, Bruce, there it is, when they're up to nothing. Like, if you're going to go out there and boo the man when he's introduced, like, don't be a coward and, and stop. Like, why don't you go full in? To me, that's a half measure. And if you're a fan that went a half measure, you can't sit here and talk about this organization not doing a rebuild. You don't have the courage of your convictions to go full measure and voice your displeasure. That's what you should have done. If you're going to troll, go troll full hard. I mean, that, that's my takeaway.
5: I heard one person the whole evening break out oh, of Bruce, there it is. And that it came, person is not a coward. And it it had came, the courage of his convictions. And it came really late uh, after the 5-2 goal, after Horvath's uh, empty netter. Uh, I heard it. I thought Honestly, I thought we'd hear a big Bruce, there it is, tonight. And we didn't at all. Right. Um, but, yeah. You know, the the booing thing, we talked about it uh, even the past couple of days. Did they give Rick it? The chance at a good first impression yeah. With this fan base And and the answer is no The way this all went down It, it didn't matter if you brought in Multi Stanley Cup winning Head coach who's perfect It was always going to be a rough period Stepping into this spot And I'm not surprised I'm a little disappointed Because you know, Rick Tockett didn't do anything wrong It was the management group And what is he going to say no to a job offer Yeah um, it's, it's more about how the franchise m- mishandles this, and so Rick Tockett's going to be in the firing line in a moment like this. I understand the fans' displeasure, uh, but it's unfortunate that, because, you know, Rick Tockett's just trying to win games and endear himself to a fan base, and this is something that he's going to have to overcome, yeah. that's outside of his... His actions, yeah,
3: for sure. I mean, uh, this person texting again. Bruce had the fourth best uh, record in team history. The sat D and no defensive forwards. Right after Green had only sixty eight points. Ignoring reality again. Sat players had played hard and well for Bruce. Fact. hashtag Out to lunch. They played well for him last year. They did not play well for him this year. And this person also mentions they so were
5: eighteen twenty five and three Canucks
3: second in the league and comeback wins under Bruce. Your your false narratives are silly. They've also given up more multi-goal leads in any team in the National Hockey League this season. They've given up the most leads, they have the second most comeback wins, and they still are bottom four in regulation overtime wins in the National Hockey League. This season, they have this, they have the worst penalty kill in the NHL. Yes, Bruce did a really g- good things with this team last year. This year, he didn't. They, did they play f- hard for him? Yeah, they played hard enough, but they didn't play smart. Like, watch tonight and how they played and compare it to the games they were playing before. Now, is that Bruce's fault? No, it's not to say it's all his fault. But the reality is the team was underperforming significantly this year. You know, that's just a fact of how they were playing. Now, you can say it's not Bruce's fault because he wasn't given the right environment to have success in. They didn't believe in him, but that's just where they're at.
5: Uh, 650-650, Murray texting in, longtime season ticket holder, so he has the right to say to tank, but he, uh, he asks, why is anyone happy about this win? It's a four-pointer, we just lost, ridiculous that we aren't tanking, we can't make the playoffs, so why try to finish 12th and have zero chance at top pick? Uh, okay, so Murray, here's the situation. It's it's fine, Like I even said tonight, this is a four-point game, reverse four-point game tonight. Uh, and then obviously the Canucks uh, pull away from Chicago. So this is a scenario. They wake up today in six best lottery odds. They go to sleep tonight, six best lottery odds, still at 7.5%. San Jose picked up one point, uh, but Vancouver obviously gets two, so they pulled away from San Jose a little bit. Uh, Arizona lost tonight. Chicago obviously lost tonight. Anaheim won tonight, so they're at 33 points, and they lose top spot mm-hmm. for lottery odds. Columbus is at 31 points with... Uh, the best lottery odds as it stands right now. So they pull away from a little, uh, few teams. Uh, Anaheim picking up the W, though, uh, as well to keep pace with Vancouver.
3: And the Canucks up, up again tomorrow against the Seattle Kraken, so we'll see what that does to their standings as well. Now, a, a lot of techs coming in, 650-650. Um, we'll try to get to more of these as the show goes on here We'll get to the phone boards coming up um, as well but Let's go to the phone boards now 604-280-0650 Let's go to Vancouver where Sergio is on the line Sergio, thanks for calling in uh, What do you have for us tonight?
7: Hey, Sad, thanks for taking my call um, It's tough, man You know, as a fan right now mm-hmm. Even trying to cheer Like what stands out from tonight? The, the jersey being on the ice That's That's the big thing I like the talkat higher. I like the Gonchar higher. Foot sounds great, but you know what? So did Rutherford. So did Alvin. But, um, you know, question for you, because the only reason I'm really even watching is just to see when Horvat gets traded. When do you think that's going to happen?
3: Uh, thanks for the phone call, Sergio.
5: I, I mean, I, I can't... Before we answer that, the idea that the jersey being the big part of the evening... It's happened so many times this year. I think it's the time, fourth time this four year, time right? this year so it's happened. it It's kind of fallen by the wayside. We've seen it five
3: times in the last hundred games.
5: Yeah. Anyways, on yeah. Horvat, though. Yeah,
3: on, on Bull Horvat. So, I mean, it's hard to predict the time. You know what I mean?
5: But we if, were, I, if I had to guess, I'm saying in two weeks. We were talking, you know, is there a time that they would shut... Bo Horvat down yeah. if it started to get really intense, uh, and our guy, at uh, Taze5 on Twitter says, they won't shut him down at all, it's wishful thinking, it's a risk they'll have to take unless a deal is already done, and and yeah, like, it's, you're threading the needle of, of timeline here, and I I can't imagine it's more than, you know, three games a week that you maybe sit him down, and... I still think we're a couple of weeks removed from that, even being close to a possibility. So, if you're if you're worried about injuries and things like that, basically survive these next two games, and maybe it starts uh, clearing up. Because you know, if you're talking about in two weeks, would be the earliest opportunity. February sixth is uh, thirteen days away. Yeah, and, and that's when the Canucks return. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like somewhere in that kind of time. And you know field. what? You know what could help facilitate. Some action. All the GMs being in <laughs> one city right now. <laughs> and he playing. And bad playing almost 24 minutes. But today. if you want to pick up conversations, right, you have plenty of opportunity right now. All-Star Game is going to kick up a couple opportunities as well. Everyone will just finish their, f- their scouting meetings. Uh, if there was going to be an accelerator on it, these next 10 to 13 days would certainly uh, put it into hyperdrive. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh a lot of
3: texts and comments coming in. Jose from Lions Bay, they struggled this year uh, for Bruce because the team knew full well before the season that he wasn't going to last, and Rutherford and Alvin were all over him, and they didn't give him a chance to survive, and he made decisions just to survive. and All those things are fair. It's it's all true. But regardless of what was going on, it wasn't a tenable situation. And for sure, like again, yeah, we can talk about who's at... Who's to blame for it? But this is what happens when you don't have alignment with your coach and your general manager and your overall organization. And this is also what happens when you don't hire your president before you hire the head coach and let him go out and do it before you're doing it yourself. And that's ultimately where all this kind of goes back to. And we've, we've talked about this at length. But all we can do, Vic, when when it comes to evaluating this team, and this is only one game against a lowly Chicago Blackhawks squad, is... To see where they can improve. The reality is, whatever the reasons were, they played really poorly up until game 47 of season. From this point on, under Rick Tockett, what tangible improvements do we start seeing? Do we see any? Tonight, some small things were a lot better. They beat a Blackhawks team, but it was, wasn't about the win only. The things they've been talking a lot about, which is be more disciplined, better line changes, you know, they weren't. Making as many mistakes overall in the game as well And they were working hard And getting in on the forecheck And and playing some disciplined hockey overall Yeah, that's one game How many more do you do it? But I don't care what side of the ledger you are, Bick The reality is They were horrible earlier And there are things they have to improve long term
5: And we should also put in context uh, Tonight's game was against the Chicago Blackhawks Right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy to see improvements in a lot of stuff when you get the amount of opportunities they yes. had, right? Like they had, Fair, yeah. they essentially had fifty-seven percent of the puck in the offensive zone uh, tonight. It was plenty of opportunity. Now, some of that is power play related. Uh, you know, all of those minutes not converting a goal uh, lends itself lends itself to a lot of time. But we were just looking at face off stats. Only eight face offs tonight in the defensive zone for the Vancouver Canucks. Not right? a lot. So. so Plenty of opportunity to play downhill and in the offensive zone. We'll see if some of this stuff stays. Tomorrow uh, we'll be telling, against Seattle. Yeah. telling. in Seattle more talent in the game you're really gonna have to yeah. skate with the Kraken. Uh, we'll see how that looks tomorrow. Six fifty, six fifty. Uh, are you guys seriously gonna do draft lottery updates every show? Uh, how about once a week update? No, we're gonna do it every post game show because yeah. people want to know.
3: Yeah, people do want to know. Like I, you know, I, I don't care what some people say. Like this is what people want to know. They want to know what the what the lottery odds are and where the Canucks find themselves in the standings, whether that's inching towards a playoff spot, which looks... I mean, I mean, that's not happening. That's not even you know worth the discussion. But remember earlier this year when we were talking, even when it, like, people were like, why are you talking about the playoffs? It's like, well, it's not about yeah. the playoffs. It's also about like, how far out you are. It's like the picture, and the picture gets bleaker and bleaker, and uh, now it's about looking at it from the other pers- perspective. Uh, a lot of text messages. We'll try to get to more of them as the show goes on here. Let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Terrace, where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight?
2: Hey, I have a... Um, Thing for you, I looked at it and it said Rick said in the locker room um, to the uh, players, "Great job! You had puck possession all game. You got a little antsy, but then we got back to our structure. Once we started rolling the lines, hell of an effort." So, like, it's not Rick's fault. Um, He gave them a chance. Um, They played a Chicago team, um, which has had struggles. They have struggles. I'm just saying, like, the Canucks, I, I don't know what this team is about. I don't know what's going on with their game. I'm going to cut it short. I'm just hoping that they can build the mem- momentum up for next year, right? This is a no-good season, pretty much. Like, they're pretty much out of the playoff race. Just build your confidence up for next season, and have a great start next season. That's all I got for you boys. I hope you have a good night. Cheers. Uh,
3: thanks for the phone call. That's Aiden calling in from Terrace. And that's what it's about. It's about laying the foundation for next season and beyond mostly. And and it's not even you know to overstate things about how great the foundation is, but it's more about knowing what the expectations are for how you play and then knowing that the people here behind the bench are going to be here for the next little bit and that we have a stable plan and a stable environment to be playing hockey in. And that's really the, the biggest benefit. If there is one here, of making this
5: change. Get prepared for what the start of next season is, right? Yeah. And, again, we're going to be focused on the start of next season. That's what's going to happen. And players are going to come in and, and say the same thing that they said this year. Start of the season is important. Start of, we have to get the start of the season right. Mm-hmm. So they sang that tune at the start of this year. Yeah. They wanted to be judged on how they started the season. And they started 0-5-2. It was dreadful. And they're... Never really recovered from that. So if if you can take something away from this, and look honestly, we were talking about it today. Like over under seventy five points, where the team lands, would you take the over or the under? That would be five hundred hockey the rest of the yeah. week.
3: here. I would still shade the under.
5: Yeah, I probably probably look at that too it, as well.
3: They have an easy schedule. You know, we all know that, but at the same time. Do you
5: shut guys down? What do you do at the deadline? It's also easy backloaded, right? February, like going through New Jersey, New York, New York, it's not that easy. Uh, you are going to play Boston, Dallas, uh, Nashville, St. Louis at the end of uh, February. And I think you start March with Minnesota, Toronto, and Nashville. The back end, you, you are going to play Anaheim uh, twice, uh, San Jose again. Uh, so it, it, it the, you're actually going to play Anaheim three times. So late in the schedule, it becomes a lot easier. But this February stretch into early March is still difficult. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, and you know we'll we'll see ultimately how we'll play Chicago twice late in the season as well.
3: Yeah. You know, maybe Arizona Chicago, on
5: the last thing of the year. Maybe
3: Chicago gets his payback. Who knows
5: yeah. what happens at, at that stage of Max the season. Max Domi's going to be all fired up. <laughs> yeah, uh, he
3: certainly will be. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep it on the phone boards. Let's go to Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight?
12: Well, first of all, I want to make, make something clear about this. Let's turn the page because uh, I'm actually a, fa- a fan of the guys that uh, play in the back east that happens to have the guy that uh, nobody likes very much, but they've only lost five games. That's five, not five games in November, five games total. Now, I'm old enough to know Rick Talkett's well, the way he played. I'm old enough to remember Adam Foote when he played with Colorado. And I'm old enough to know Sergey Goncha. They're all excellent hockey players. Now, if we want to win, you put uh, Dakota Joshua with those two guys and make him, uh, and I talked to the producer about this, I remember when Tom Wilson was 18 years old and he didn't do much except uh, fight and and get into everybody's face. Today, he's one of the best power forwards in the league and he's on the top line with none other than number eight. Now, Bottom line, don't boo boo, boo uh, Rick Tockett. He's yeah. a fine hockey player. He played the right way. And the Adam Foote, are you kidding? Stanley Cups, do we want to win or do we want to uh, say, Bruce, there it is. We want to win, guys. And by the way, I'd like to thank the producer for letting me on. Appreciate okay. it. Have a good got- night.
3: Yeah, no, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate that. That's Gary calling in from Maple Ridge. Uh, let's take one more call before we get up to the break here. Uh, let's go to uh, Elijah in North Van. Elijah, thanks for calling
13: in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, I just, um, over the past couple of days, seen a lot of narrative online about uh, why fire him now, you know, keep Bruce around till the end of the year. No. We needed to bring a coach in before this trade deadline. there's a lot of uh, moving parts that may need to be moved out and uh, buckle up. We saw it tonight, you know Dakota Joshua, Sednika, the guys that are getting in there into the corners they're they're getting the ice time right now they're winning, they're scoring goals they're making plays, and those are the plays that those hard nosed new coaches, including that nose on Adam foot, uh want to see. They, uh, you know, so buckle up. It's going to be interesting. Come after February 6th, after the couple of games there and leading into the All-Star break. I'm actually pretty excited to see where the Canucks team goes with some grit that we've been clamoring for for years around here. I'll hang up now. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the phone call.
3: That's Elijah calling in uh, from North Van. And From a coaching perspective, certainly grit. Behind the bench, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the players, well, that's going to. They be can't some- lace them up, though. No, they can I mean, as far as the players go, I mean, you, you can impart some of that a little bit, but it comes down to them themselves being those types of players or not. And ultimately, this team needs to get stronger, bigger, and meaner, right? They, they certainly do. They need to get more of those players. There are some guys on this team that can do more of that, but from a roster construction standpoint, they're still lacking those types
5: of players. You can do it sporadically. And we've yeah. seen the team do it sporadically. They're motivated tonight. New guy in town. Sheldon Dry's fought. Dakota Joshua mm-hmm. dropped the gloves. Will they continue that? Mm-hmm. Like, that nine-day break is going to uh, put a lot of uh, relaxation back in, guys. And do they yes. come back after the break and say, all right, here we go, coach. Like, we're still ready to drop the gloves and do everything. I'm curious to see how they come back from the All Star break. I think these, these next two games, yeah, you'll see them charged up. Oh, and, yeah. You know, tomorrow might be a little bit tired, but, you know, Rick Talkett today was talking about, I love back-to-backs. I always wanted to go hard in the second game. So we'll see what guys follow suit, and it, it'll be interesting to see these next two games here. You know, I loved
3: I love the way Talkett set it up because he set it up as, like, oh, yeah, it's a challenge. He didn't even, he had no time for a back-to-back being a challenge or something difficult. It was like, Oh, no, like, I'm expecting you better have it tomorrow. Challenges are just opportunities to be, to be great. Yeah, we'll see if they can be, and that's something the Canucks have been lacking so far this season, beating the lowly Chicago Blackhawks 5-2 tonight. We'll get to more of your reaction. We'll hear from Canucks players plus Ian McIntyre. It's Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network
0: more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC only on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network
1: into the near corner for Horvath center for Joshua missed the pass on the backhand Besser can't settle it either and Max Domi's away to the races up the left wing Domi with speed to the goal in front for Asiu, who fanned on a wide open one-timer at the right circle never even steered it towards the goal and now the Canucks come ahead three on two if they hurry Besser for Hughes, left wing, into the Chicago zone, back to Besser, to the goal, deep to the back end, tries to tuck it in from below the goal line, it's loose, and Dakota Joshua scores! Peter Mrazek couldn't find it, Dakota Joshua shovels it home in the crease,
4: and the Canucks take a 3-2 lead. And he is giving Max Domi an earful as he sk- skates towards the Canucks' bench.
3: Dakota Joshua, game winner for the Canucks, his seventh goal of the season. Canucks win 5-2 over the Chicago Blackhawks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll go back to the phone boards as well coming up in a second. Uh, this one here, unsigned Joshua, living absolutely rent-free inside Domi's head. Oh yeah, yeah, totally got in his head. I mean, he threw a hit on Patrick Kane, and then Domi went after him, drew a penalty. And also on like a an nice instigator. defensive
5: play, there was no reason to like. It was just be because he was grieved by what Dakota Joshua did.
3: I think it was just because it was Patrick Kane going sure. down
5: awkwardly and heavily that he reacted I, to. Not like
3: I get it, but but yeah, I mean. No. Congratulations! Yeah. You played yourself. Yeah, you played well. And the cross check—I actually thought that cross check came after he scored the goal. This should have been penalized. Oh yeah, you know, like it was a—it was, it was pretty hard. nasty. Hot. It should have been penalized, but I guess he had already been given 17 minutes of penalties. So maybe that's why in for a penny and for a pound, <laughs> <laughs> may as well. Let's let's bring up those pims. That's where we're at. Uh, Zach says, we need to move on from the Bruce stuff completely. The people booing Rick were a bunch of homers. I agree with the one text. Boo management, not the coach. Come on. that's Zach text again. And a lot Wouldn't of those the people th-
5: be cheering for him, be the ones that are homers. Y-
3: yeah, but as in like, uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on how you want to per- sure. perceive it, right? Like, I get
5: it. I guess they're homers.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
5: <laughs> in that way. It's all how you say the word. Uh, Jay and Boko uh, texting in six fifty, six fifty. 650 It's so great that these fans calling in can't wait to watch wins and wave a high draft pick goodbye. Hashtag pulling my hair <laughs> out. Yeah, and uh, basketball, Phil, have to ask, who gets
3: traded first? Uh, Bo Trent Jr. or Fred Van Vliet? When's
5: the NBA trade ed- trade deadline?
3: Um, it's coming up pretty quick.
5: It's usually right after All Star break. Right? Yeah, it's February ninth. Oh, then it's gonna be Fred and yeah, one of those. Trent. Yeah, I'd say so. Although contracts. Much higher, right? Yes. A little bit different. Slightly different. <laughs> you can make the cap work in the NBA <laughs> yeah. a lot different. A here. lot different. Yeah. also cap
3: is also going up. They're like, wow, revenue. Yeah. So I call the NHL the broke boys league only in comparison <laughs> compared to like the NBA, NFL, you know, NBA, and, and these other leagues.
4: Uh,
5: 650, 650 question. Didn't Domi get a game misconduct uh, after he fought? Dakota Joshua, why was he back? So that was misannounced. Yes. Uh, they did later correct it, saying it was a 10-minute misconduct. So that's why he got 17 minutes in total penalties and not a game misconduct. That was initially uh, misannounced. Yes, it was. Now, before we
3: get to some player audio here, uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, and we have Jose and Lions Bay on the line. Jose, thanks for calling in, man. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys.
14: Hey, Seth. Hey, Big. Just a couple of quick comments. You know, I just wanted to, to just mention a few things. One, the coaching change. You know what? I'm obviously disappointed, like most fans, that mm-hmm. what happened with Bruce. But I do have to say, you know what? We've got to give Rick Tocca a chance.
1: Yeah.
14: Um, you know what? He's, he's a seasoned coach. He doesn't have the world's hottest record, but he also coached some pretty weak teams in, in Tampa and, and um, in Arizona. I will say I was a little surprised that Sergey Gonchar was brought on board as a development coach because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he, Mark Recky, and Jacques Martin actually left the Pittsburgh organization. They, their contracts weren't renewed, I think, in 2020. So it looks like um, Jim and Patrick gave him another chance to uh, coach in, in their new organization. Um, as far as Bruce is concerned, you know, one thing I do hear is, you know, guys like, you know, the, Bruce had a bad season this year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't want to keep digging this up, but I have to say this. Guys, you know, he had a great season last year, and immediately Rutherford was all over him at the end of the, end of the season, press conference, during the off season. the speculation that he may not even last this year, despite his record. It, it just seemed like management was just looking for any excuse to dump on him. And when you're coaching in that kind of environment, you're not going to be coaching the way you normally would. So I just don't know if we saw the real Bruce that we saw last year, but I don't know if I'm making of an excuse for Bruce, but I think there's some validity to that. And then finally, I just want to make one comment as well, too. You know, when I think about both of you guys, um, I'm just thinking about, you know, Vancouver being Vancouver media or sports media being a hotbed. I mean, can you imagine if you guys were reporting on what's going on in Ottawa or Winnipeg? I mean, those those teams are you know just more business as usual there's so much stuff going on here in Vancouver there's always meaty stuff for you guys to report on anyways guys back to you
3: hey uh thanks for the phone call Jose I mean hey uh, there's ever well, sort of winning a... right well, yeah there hey I'd rather be talking about a winning hockey team than a dramatic hockey team <laughs> any day you know what I mean to be honest but yeah I mean honestly like I'm kind of tired of the drama to be honest because like hey I'm I'm here for talking about whatever we have to talk about. But you know what I love to do more than anything, Bick? Break down hockey games. Facts only. You know, like that's what we'd love to do more than anything else. And a lot of that time has been cut in because of other things we've been really talking about the most.
5: By the way, quick shout out to Jose from Lions Bay. Uh, The Rare got a text in and got a phone call in. Working hard. That's the, uh, I don't know if we have a Gordie Howe hat trick for the listeners, but I I, I think that might be up there. It's pretty close pretty close get a tweet text and a phone name. that's oh, a cord that, that would yeah. be it. if
3: you do that's a trifecta i haven't seen that done yet but that's a that's a rare double. I mean, hey, Rick Tockett's inspiring everybody tonight. <laughs> All right, everyone's
5: putting in a shift.
3: Everybody's working extra hard trying to impress the new boss. All right, uh, we'll we'll get to more of your reaction here. We are going to hear from uh, Ian McIntyre soon, but we mentioned we are going to get to Canucks players post game after winning 5-2 over the Blackhawks. And one player who's played under Rick Talkett before and is playing under him again is defenseman Luke Shen. And here he is post game talking about the win tonight.
7: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we wanted to get that one off the hop for them, and obviously there's uh you know, a lot going on here in the last couple of days, so um, I think we did a good job of preparing, and, and they prepared us well too, and just kind of, you know, w- we were able to kind of relax and settle into a little bit. Obviously, we got a little momentum off the start with some good looks off the power play. Um, weren't able to get one, but after that, you know, uh, guys kept you know, putting lots of pucks in that and eventually uh, cracked him, and and uh, nice to, to get that first one, like I said.
1: Ability to stick with it after trailing a couple of times, even though it seemed like you guys were controlling
7: the game from the outset? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I think uh, we carried a lot of the play and had a lot of possession tonight. Obviously, a lot of shots on goal. I mean, some perimeter, some uh, from the inside, but... Once we started going to the net there and getting a little more bodies and traffic to the net, there was some pucks laying around there that guys were able to, to bang home. So need a little more of that. That's, uh, you don't need that being a one-off. We've got to keep going again and another uh, really challenge, uh, challenging game tomorrow. Talk us through the breakaway. Breakaway? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I said I was I was in the box with uh, Dreiser after. He did a great job getting that, that scrap and uh, kind of got the boys going a little bit that way too. And I told him, I said, I'm it's gonna happen i'm I'm coming out of the box here i'm getting a break when i'm going top club so it it all worked out with the top club part
10: (laughs) you feel like structurally the few things they talked about did it look better tonight
7: yeah i mean it's a work in progress for sure obviously uh you know when you come in and you got one practice and you know a couple video sessions it's it's a lot to go over but i think they, they did a really good job of uh you know translating the message to us and you know just uh a staff with a lot of experience obviously guys who played and had a lot of success in the league and i think they can relate to guys on that level so um yeah it was uh, it was a good job and uh, you know by them obviously preparing us and like i said um obviously there's a lot of uh, excitement and, and emotion here in the room and uh we got to continue that rick has talked a
1: lot about rick has talked a lot about game management how pleased were you with that element of the game in the third period
7: yeah i mean there's there's a the times where you know we we got off it a little bit, but we were able to correct it, so that's a good thing. Obviously, it wasn't by no means probably the perfect sixty, but you know, for for a lot of it, we liked a lot of good things, and I think that's the one big thing is like you said, the details and the structure. That's probably a lot that uh, you know they want to implement, and it was it was a start. They're uh, really um, I don't know into it and active behind the bench. Every time you come off the ice, there's there's always something uh, to be said to you, which is which is good. It's positive, obviously. Uh, coaches with a lot of experience in the league. And, you know, for us in the back end to have Gonch and Footer back there, guys who, you know, were, were warriors and had great success, cup winners in the league, um, we're pretty fortunate to be working with guys like that back there.
3: That is Connect's defenseman Luke Shen talking about them winning the game tonight, but also the influence of the coaches behind the bench. And, you know, Sergey Gonchar, somebody texted in and said, um, um, Kuzmenko's sure glad to have Gonchar here and, and, and yeah, I'm sure for the he here is. and now. For the here and now, you I know. I believe he leaves later this week. Yeah, and he is—he's a part-time consultant. Coach, yeah. Consultant, so he'll be here, but but not always he- here. Uh, this text unsigned, Jose, who called in earlier, and Bick, you said he's got the, you know, like, what's the equivalent of a Gordy Howe hat trick? Yeah, for our listeners, yeah, yeah. He called in. He texted in, and this text says Jose has to get in a fight later <laughs> <laughs> to complete the Gordy Howe hat trick. <laughs>
5: Strong. It's we're strong. not
3: con- we're not condoning no. going out and getting into physical no. altercation. So but that's a strong text. But it's a, yeah. it's
5: a good text message. <laughs> good jokes for sixty there. Uh, <laughs> this one, in uh, my opinion, over the course of the season, I hope this team carves out an identity. This needs to happen before we can start acquiring players, having a vision of how the team should play is going to dictate the types of players we need to add. See what we have now and start looking to offload the players who don't fit the identity. Now, traditionally, when you start a season. I would look at the first 20, you kind of figure out what yeah. you are, you look at the remaining 40, try to fine-tune that, and then the last 20 is just a sprint to the mm-hmm. end of the season. Uh, I don't know if identities really carry over season to season, because things can just change so fast, right? Uh, you can think you have a plan, and then you get into a season 10 games in, and you think oh, you know what, we actually might have to be more defensive than we thought, and you you kind of adjust on the fly. So it's more just about principles and ideals right now than it is, oh, this is what the next future of the Vancouver Canucks is going to be based on 36 games. I don't know if that's enough time, and given the time off, that probably lends itself to guys reverting back to who they are and off-season programs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so this is just about, I I think you're looking for glimpses. Yeah. We talked about pairs before. Is there things like that? And and look, there's going to be turnover. There's going to be lots of changes. What can you grasp onto and say, this worked with this and this works with this. Uh, we'll see how that develops.
3: Yeah. I mean, what, what, what do you keep and what do you chuck? And, which piles are you putting things in? And that's kind of figuring out. Spark joy. Is, I was going to make, make the but joke. But Rick Talkin is doing right now. All the jerseys are on a pile, and do he's you, like. Do you, does it spark joy for you, or <laughs> do you have to get rid of it? You know?" And What was her name? Marie Kondo? Yeah, Marie Kondo. Yeah. And I still use the folding method. Method. The folding method? Yeah, Marie Kondo's folding. Like, there's a way of folding to make it more like an, an organizing. Oh, yeah. So I, I watched her. That. I watched it, and I follow along, generally I'm speaking. I'm chaos. And no, now it's, everything's so well and organized. I'm generally organized, good but doing you. that, if like my wardrobe looks nice
5: and clean, mostly. My, my Excel spreadsheets are the only thing that's organized in my life. Everything Facts. else is just chaos. Facts.
3: But your spreadsheets are very good. Yeah. Like they're color-coded and everything. I, I hold my laptop and I was like, this sparks joy. <laughs> <laughs> what sparks joy? These spreadsheets. <laughs> Look how nicely they're color-coordinated. All right. Uh, that's uh, you know a lot of good text messages. We mentioned we hear from more Canucks players post-game. And... Hey, anytime Andrei Kuzmenko meets with the media, oh, nice. it's fun. It's good times. Like Whether we understand it or not, he makes an effort. He has a lot of fun. It's joyous, and it's always a fun ride. So let's hear what Andre Kuzmenko had to say after scoring two goals to help the Canucks win 5-2 over the Blackhawks tonight. Uh, here he is.
15: I have a good line for uh, Mickey and uh, Petey. He's uh, great players. I like it play with him. And... Uh, it's good. Two goals. Good uh, teamwork. This teamwork is uh, my uh, uh, second goal. Is uh, good work. Is a block. Is a good shift. Is a go to sh- uh, bench. Is a I go nice. As I say, it's good work. Thank you.
10: We haven't talked to you since the coaching change, but I know one of the reasons they wanted Sergey here was they felt he could help so with some of the young Russian players. Uh, uh, like.
15: Sergey is. Uh, I like it because it's a very important moment for me is uh, now uh, I don't understand a lot of uh, English words it's, uh, I understand simple words yes it's a difficult words I don't understand it's, uh, I like it uh, Sergei uh, in staff Vancouver it's a couple moments say me is a Russian language I like it because for me hmm?
5: what do you remember of Sergei as a player?
15: oh Sergei is a great player the best uh, offensive defense as, uh, I remember your player goals. He's a legend in Russia.
5: Are your parents still here to see two goals, or did your mom and dad
0: leave?
15: Yes, I think maybe signed contract with my mom, my friends, and my <laughs> father. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: that is Andrei Kuzmenko after scoring two goals tonight, helping the Canucks win. And uh, you know, he's always eager. To meet with the media post game, and he's always laughing. I don't think I've ever seen him not smile. You know, whether it's coming to the rink or or being around the team post game, always a lot of joy when he's on the ice, and a lot of success as well. Twenty one goals on the season, forty two points, and to break that down and more, it is now time to bring in our closer, the man we call the Triple Threat. You hear him on radio, you watch him on TV, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. <laughs>
9: always happy when we talk to him because we only talk to him after he scores a goal and the team wins true but i i get if we get the sense he's pretty happy most of the time he's actually a guy i like to chat with on the road when when we're on a road trip and mm-hmm. i'm in the dress room and the players are just hanging out yeah it's a very different dynamic when the team is at home and you just go
3: i just go over and chat to him
9: ask him about this or that and he's
3: He's great. He's eager to try to answer your questions the best he can.
9: Oh, he's just like a real guy. Yeah, like he's and he's he is happy
3: actually. <laughs> <He> <laughs> is. <gotta> yes. <laughs> well played, fast Eddie Gregory. On it.
9: <laughs> was that a Kuzmanko?
3: That's laugh, Yeah, oh. <laughs> that was a was that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. I like it. You know, I, you know, and you know, we know the Canucks love him. My yeah. son's growing his hair like Kuzmanko. Really. Yeah, that's I'd a really new hairdo. I don't do. know if it's deliberate, Brilliant. but he's got he's got
9: big salad and it's reaching for the sky. That's kind of new, do I think? A lot
3: of I'm trying it too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's working really hard. He's work, working. It's gonna really be, hard. be a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might need some help. <laughs> uh, but I mean, a lot of people are asking the question too. It's like, can are the Canucks gonna keep him? What is it gonna cost to keep him? Do they trade him? they're they're gonna I'd be surprised if Kuzmenko doesn't sign an extension. That's kind of where I'm at with him he He genuinely likes
9: it here i can i can yeah. tell you that because I have had that conversation with him and uh <laughs> I don't think he's a guy who's figured out English well enough to lie yet yeah. so I, <laughs> yeah. he
5: does
9: he does like it here, and I remember him talking about you know and this was during one of the bleak times, but talking about the pressure of playing, and he says. He loves that pressure, yeah. like he wants to play under pressure where everybody's watching. So I think he wants to stay, but, man, he's getting expensive. It's too bad they couldn't have locked in your price, Satyar Shah, when you mentioned it during one of our TV broadcasts about, what was it, six weeks ago maybe, and yeah. you said, well, maybe $4 million, maybe $5, 5 million. <laughs> oh, Ford. Honestly, I, I, I believe my exact response that night when you said that was, Sold to the man, yeah. the Paisley tie.
3: <laughs> yes, uh, and hey, I still think a longer-term deal in that five million range could be doable. No,
9: no, no, they're not getting them for five. The shorter-term deals now, you're looking. I don't know six, and then yeah. it, depending how much he's willing to commit, it might be seven.
3: The only thing is, what he's doing is unprecedented. And players that do what he's done don't get that type of money, or haven't gotten that type of money. And it, it's an unprecedented situation, you know. So I guess we'll see. It's what do you think
9: Kaprizov got in Minnesota? Yeah, but he was—he was like he got nine and a half million. We're talking about like a heart Trophy. But he's—he's he's a
3: different player, and he was younger. He's like twenty twenty-three at the time when he came in and did what he did. Yeah, he's a couple of years younger. Yeah, for sure, and maybe a little more. A little more pedigree, but... And also dynamic in terms of skating. Kaprizov is one of the better skaters in the league, too, and he's just so good. But yes, your point is well noted, and... I do agree, but we both agree. Like the price range that we thought it's changing, well,
9: especially what you
3: thought. Yes, but I, but I'm but I'm still but I'm still not sold. But I'm still not sold in like it's it's going to be this massive payday for him this year. Like I think if he wants that big contract, I think he's going to have to take a short-term bridge deal and it's not going to be 6 per year. Yeah. It'll well, probably not, be like, I, you know. Yeah, I'm not talking about a Kaprizov type contract,
9: yeah. but if if you want him, if you're willing to get and say both sides you willing to go 6 years, then you're you're looking at seven million, and if it's yeah, if it's you know a three-year deal, maybe six. I don't know, but you know these are still high numbers. And I would do it, by the way. Like I know there's, I know there's a a debate, a pretty good debate, as there often is in our market about various things. A mm-hmm. uh, pretty good debate: Are the Canucks better off keeping them, or are they, you know, you sell high? You, clearly, you'd be selling high. Yeah. If you trade them now, although you know, probably would sell a little higher if he if he had a contract beyond the season. Or or keep him and, and I just think he's what, twenty seven? He's gonna be twenty seven. He's twenty six, right? Yeah. And gonna be twenty seven. The way the organization and Rutherford when he was speaking to the media was laying out the, the timeline, they clearly are planning to be good again in 2 or 3 years. Yeah. So if you know, I'm not I'm not crazy about the 8-year deals for anybody or the 7-year deals for anybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's what you have to do if you really want the guy. But I think he's he's young enough and should continue to get better. I mean, he's a much better player yeah. now mm-hmm. than he was in October. He has the same skill could could finish like he does now obviously in October, but he's a much better player now. Yeah talk it said after the game could be better still a lot of work to do and i think he's been so good that people forget he's played what 44 games 45 games in the national hockey league so he's going to continue to get better and i think if if you're looking at the next five years well he's he's going to be in his wheelhouse for for those five years and so, why wouldn't you? When, when he's like found money, you gave up nothing for him. Like he he chose you over thirty one other teams. Why not try to mm-hmm. to maximize that and keep them? And if you're if you're planning to be a competitive team, which clearly they are, and I know that's the debate. It's can they be? Like yeah. one thing is they're going to try to be. Yes, but can they be? Anybody can make a reservation, Jerry. Yes. <laughs> it's holding the, <laughs> the reservation. <laughs> uh, so anybody can say they're going to be competitive. You have to be competitive. Yeah. But clearly this is this is their their intent. Everything that they've done is about it's not about five years from now. Mm-hmm. It's two, three years from now. Yeah. Seeing where they are.
5: So one game under Rick Tockett. Uh what things did we enjoy seeing? Uh, for one game. We were talking about, like, line changes looked a little smoother tonight. <laughs> Baby steps, but yeah. they kind of did look smoother. Yeah, it it's – well, first
9: of all, I've never seen a coach be that excited to talk about somebody's line change. Yeah. yeah. As talk it was post-game over the play that JT Miller made where – He wasn't to... even sure
3: that it was JT. I mostly. had to go yeah. back and look
9: at it because there yeah. was a gap. There yeah. was, like, it was 19 seconds mm-hmm. from the time Miller went off to the time the puck went in. But I went back and looked, and yes, Miller came down the right side, didn't have a whole lot of options. It looked like maybe he's going to yeah. go cross ice <laughs> somewhere, and instead he thought the better of it, and just reversed it yeah. behind him and skated off because he was on the he was on the far mm-hmm. wing, so he had to go all the way across the ice to the bench which he did with some vigor. Yes. And on came Pedersen. Uh, the puck was still in the zone, and Pedersen picked it up, and he's fresh, and the Chicago defensemen are standing. Seth Jones, yeah. Because Pedersen's come off, uh, and he's playing downhill. He goes around two guys, and then beautifully sets up Kuzmenko. And Tockett absolutely loved yeah. that line change by by Miller, saying he should have gotten an assist. I, I think there was a lot of detail tonight, mm-hmm. but I'm not um, – smart enough to pick all of it up, but I I did notice there were no ghastly turnovers. Yes. Like there
3: were none of those. Nothing egregious tonight. N-
9: yes. None of those shocking things yeah. where you're just shaking your head. I did notice, uh, I, and I wasn't watching for it on every time down the ice after, as the Blackhawks counter, but I did notice the first couple, all five Canuck guys were, were back around <laughs> right. the puck somewhere. There was a lot of black shirts in the defensive zone as the the Hawks were were countering and they didn't take a too many men on the ice penalty. They've taken eight of those this year already. I believe that leads the NHL. They didn't uh they didn't seem to have any chaos at the benches and I did notice that guys were actually striding to the bench and not coasting the last 40 yeah. feet. So those are good things and I know that people some people have a hard time believing that these are important things. But they are. Well, especially and when you to watch how many yeah. goals get conceded because well, of that. What? Just talk to the players who have been on good teams mm-hmm. about detail. Talk mm-hmm. to Luke Shen. Talk to Ethan Bear. Uh, talk to Curtis Lazar about what Carolina, Boston, and Tampa were like with their details and how much attention they paid to yeah. all the small things. That that's what makes that's what makes the difference. I mean, to be a, a good team, you. You have to, well, you have to pay attention to all those things. But you have to do it consistently so that there's predictability to you doing it. It can't be a surprise that you're doing it. Or sometimes yes and sometimes not. And when you have predictability and all five guys on the ice are predictable, now you start playing faster. Like, you're better defensively to start with. You start playing faster at, like this afternoon when I was on your radio station, Sat. and I, A great I, hit I used, as always. I used the example of the Tampa Bay Lightning. You yeah. could take out 15 of their players. They wouldn't win a, a foot race against anybody other than maybe themselves. But they play fast because everyone is in the right place at the right time. They yeah. know what they're trying to do as as a team. They know where the puck's supposed to go. And they, they also do have, you know, five or six elite, really elite players. Yeah. Who who drive the scoring, but those elite players you you watch Stamkos, I don't know so much about Kucherov, but you watch you watch Stamkos, you watch Point, you watch Hedman, they do all these details, yeah. they do all the stuff that the fourth line guys do, except they're doing it with tremendous skill as first line guys, and that's that's where the Canucks are trying to get to, and that's that's where the these last four months or just four months they're never going to get back, yeah, because they're they're back to where they were at the end of last season where they're pleading for more structure, pleading for more defensive uh, conscience and all these little details that we're talking about. I'll say like on a glance, if you, for anybody who just looks at it quickly, the fact that the, the team, the second worst defensive team in the NHL just allowed its fewest shots in more than 12 years. Yeah. Tonight. And it happened to be in the new coach's first game. I don't think that's all coincidence.
3: No, it's not. And a lot of it is, I think, just cleaning up the environment in terms of getting moving on from what was going on, which was obviously this, this a heavy burden. Not to make an excuse, but it clearly made the situation worse than yeah, it really there, needed there to be. There was a
9: lot of emotion, emotional fatigue, and mental fatigue, and guys were wondering, you know what the, what the heck was going on, and they felt sorry for Bruce. Um yeah, so they they had to move forward. I just don't know why they didn't move forward sooner. Yeah. I I don't think we'll ever understand that. I understand the teams and what Rutherford tried to explain about the process that you follow. And he d- he doesn't do interim coaches. He never has. And didn't want to fire the coach he had until he had the next one signed and guaranteed to be here on a certain date. But anyways... Uh, I guess we have got to stop talking about it at some point. I'll never, I'll never understand that. As I wrote for Sportsnet.ca, there were, you know, Bruce didn't deserve to keep his job based on the way the team played. Yeah, but he didn't deserve to lose it in the manner that he.
3: No, did. the way he did. And I mean, and it's clear. I mean, they beat the, a a bad Chicago Blackhawks team today, and. A putrid the, team, I would say. Yeah, that uh, well,
9: doesn't do them justice. Exactly, and like and, when
3: Max Domi is out 17 minutes, you're like, oh, I don't know how they're <laughs> going to hang on. Yeah, I, it's it, it wasn't good, and it's all relative to the opponent that you play. But the thing, I mean, again, it wasn't even about the victory. It's more about the things that were so simple they weren't doing well that they cleaned up tonight. And. again it boggles my mind that the small little details they weren't doing and uh, I mean and people mention it's talent the team is lacking sure the Canucks are lacking a lot of talent but the way they were playing hockey I don't care what anybody says that wasn't a proper way of playing hockey no
9: and you were never going to be successful didn't matter how many goals Bo scored didn't matter how many plays uh, Pedersen makes or how many assists uh, Miller gets on the power play like you can't you can't give up four goals a game. You can't be that that porous uh, defensively, and that inept at defending leads. Yeah. And and you know th- that's all connected to these other things that we're talking about that are discipline and and trade crafted really quickly. I, I I had a chance to talk to Quinn Hughes on my own after. I guess nobody else asked for him. And he said, "Well, it's it's the first game, and everyone's trying to make a good impression. The challenge will be uh, to do this when when things are tough." Yeah, and that is the challenge. And Talkit kind of hit on that post game as well. That you know, it's hard. Embrace the hardness. Yeah. Is that going to be on a T-shirt? Well, maybe. Yeah, not. My, oh. uh, I'm not wearing one. <laughs> um, embrace the hardness. It's hard to win, and you have to you have to do it game after game after game. And we know from things that. Patrick Alvina said, also do it day after day in practice and in between games and practices as well. So we'll see how they do. It was a good start.
3: Yeah, good start against the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll see how they fared tomorrow. And we'll talk to you, Ian, from Seattle on the postgame show as well. We'll see how the Canucks uh, do on the second of a back-to-back. Drive safe. Thank you.
9: I I will. I will. Uh, my son may come down to Seattle for the day. Oh, nice. I, I don't think he's coming to the game. I won't let him... Just sit in the press box. I'm old school that way.
3: Well, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, maybe it's he might have better things to do than to go <laughs> to the Canucks game. Uh,
12: he, he, may be He's tired, little...
9: he may be tired of being with Dad by, <laughs> yeah. by that point. But we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a much, much better opponent. And it'll be, they're such a different team than what Chicago is. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this these new priorities for the Canucks stand up to an opponent like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh Ian, look forward to chatting with you tomorrow and we'll see what happens. Like Bick said, get there safely. Have fun uh with your son tomorrow in Seattle and uh, Bic and I will be back on the post game show tomorrow. Bic is has a day off from the People show. Mm-hmm, tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, but uh you'll be you'll be back on the post game show and on intermissions. You get days off? Well, he's did still you know, working. Did
9: you unionize at some point and i unaware of it?
5: <laughs> no. That's not happening. Oh
9: perhaps we shouldn't mention that No, one, So
3: you're gonna get us in get us in trouble here. Yeah. All right, uh I keep telling SAP <laughs> to keep it quiet, but we're working on something. I'm I can I actually we're not, not. me. Not me. Not, me. <laughs> not me. I'm in a
9: different category.
3: <laughs> oh right. Yeah. It's different. Completely different.
9: It's yeah. radio workers of the world unite. Yeah, maybe one day. Let's just Probably sign not. off. All right.
3: We're gone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes. Kuzmenko's getting a laugh out of it as well. Now All he right. sounds like a union guy. Yeah, he yeah. like, <laughs>, laughs like one. Am once. I getting
9: paid for this? Let's <laughs> end the show. <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. All of you for listening, texting in, and being part of the post game show and calling in as well. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.